Let's pray together as we often do before we uh, look at God's word together this morning. Our Heavenly Father, you know every one of us here this morning. You know us inside and out. You know our, what's in our minds, in our hearts. You know the struggles that we bring. Some here this morning are on top of the world. Some are in the darkest valley. Some are not sure they really want to be here. Um, others are filled with joy. But we thank you that wherever we are this morning, whatever we are going through, that you can meet us here through your word, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would do that. Uh, we pray it in Jesus' name and for his praise. Amen. What does Easter mean to you? For many people, Easter is a celebration of the arrival of springtime. And here in the Upper Valley, we have earned the right to celebrate the arrival of spring. Uh, I don't think it's premature to celebrate the arrival of spring. It's a little balmy out there. Uh, but we'll find out. Our hearts rejoice in the melting of snow and the longer, warmer days and the tender buds that will soon burst forth into lush green foliage. This bursting forth of new life is the central theme of much of our Easter decor in our culture. Eggs and bunnies and chicks and lambs and tulips and daffodils. But this new life that we celebrate this morning is a far greater new life than the arrival of springtime. This morning we celebrate a historical event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we celebrate this historical event along with millions of people around the world. Jesus was crucified he died for our sins according to the scriptures. And on the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. But the death and resurrection of Jesus was not just about one man coming back to life. The resurrection of Jesus means true hope and the true renewal of all things. The resurrection of Jesus means living hope for you and for me. By the eternal plan of God, Jesus died and rose again on our behalf. As our representative, Jesus died in our place for our sins, the spotless, guiltless one, taking the punishment for our sin upon himself. He took upon himself the wrath of God that we deserve as we just sang about. Jesus is God's representative sacrifice. As John the Baptist proclaimed when he saw Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who Jesus is. He is the sacrificial Lamb, the atoning sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus did not only die on our behalf as our representative, he also rose again on our behalf as our representative. 
Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 4.25. He, Jesus, was delivered up to death for our trespasses. And he was raised for our justification. What's going on with Jesus is for us as our representative. So this Easter morning, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He was raised from the dead to new life. And his new life means the promise of new life for us. The resurrection of Jesus means the defeat of death for us, for everyone who believes in Jesus. And that's what we find in our scripture passage this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Um, it's, in, it's on page 1014 in the chair Bibles, if you want to look there with me. Uh, page 1014, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And Peter writes, as Jerry just read for us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You see there in verse 3 where Peter mentions the historical event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, we need to work backward from there. You see, God has brought something about for us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What has God brought about for us? Do you see it there in verse 3? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope is not one that is dead. It is not a false hope. It is a real and vital hope, a hope that will not disappoint. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, God gives us a living hope. And friends, whether you realize it or not, we are so desperately in need of hope. We live in a world that is filled with despair. Our world is filled with sickness and suffering. And at the end of suffering road is death. I know it's not all bad. Some of it is eggs and bunnies and daffodils and tulips. I know that we need to accentuate the positive, especially me. We need to cultivate joy and gratitude. I know that. There is much in life to enjoy. There are a lot of good things in this life to cherish and to celebrate. But maybe it's because I'm a pastor. Or maybe it's because by nature I'm a bit pessimistic. But despite all the things to celebrate, there is a lot of suffering and despair. All around us, all the time, this is a broken world. And as I, as I look ar out around this congregation, just the people that I know, I see a lot of people who are walking through brokenness. When all the good things in life have run dry, we are confronted with the harsh realities of our broken world. <coughs> Suffering, sickness, despair, and death. And the Bible 
informs us that it's even worse than we might think. Because earthly suffering and then death are not the worst of it. The Bible says that it is appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment of God. And at the judgment, we will all have to stand before a holy God and be judged for our deeds. And as sinners, we deserve not only death, but also the eternal wrath of God described in the Bible as the lake of fire, the second death. So it's no exaggeration to say that we are in desperate need of living hope. And so what do we do? We look for short-term hope in all kinds of places. I'm always looking for short-term hope on Facebook Marketplace. Um, We look for short-term hope in our family relationships, in our good deeds, in our net worth, our bank accounts, our retirement fund, our careers. Some of us even look for hope in the government, if you can imagine that. We look for hope in our health. But sooner or later, all of these temporary hopes will run dry. Won't they? In the end, they will all disappoint us and we will have to face death and then the judgment of God and no amount of cardio will help us. No amount of net worth will suffice. No political party or candidate can help us there. None of the relationships that we cherish will prove helpful. A whole lifetime of good works will not help us to escape sin and death and the judgment of God because of our sin. To to find true and living hope, lasting hope that will not disappoint, we need something more. We need rescue. We need God to do something on our behalf. We need forgiveness. And hope is just what we find in verse 3. God has not left us without hope. You catch that in verse 3? A living hope. And how does it come about? Living hope comes about through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So how on earth does the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead bring us hope? Because Jesus died in our place. He died for our sins as our representative. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. And he didn't rise again for himself alone. He rose again on our behalf, as Paul says, again, Romans 4.25. He was delivered up for our trespasses. And he was raised for our justification, for our forgiveness. When Jesus died, he took our death upon himself. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus never sinned. Jesus died for us. He took the penalty of death that we deserve upon himself. And not only did he die for us, he also drank the cup 
Remember what Jesus said in the garden before he went to the cross. He said, this is Matthew 26, 39. He said, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But what cup did Jesus mean? This was not simply the cup of suffering. The cup Jesus was preparing to drink was the cup of the wine of God's judgment. This is an Old Testament symbol that we see again and again, this foaming cup of God's wrath towards sinners. And Jesus drank that cup for us at the cross. He took God's punishment for our sin upon himself. He drank it down to the dregs. That's where hope comes from. Jesus died and rose again for us. He tasted death for us so that we might be released from captivity to death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is living hope. When we belong to Jesus by faith, then his resurrection becomes our hope. We're set free from sin and death. Our punishment for our sin has been paid and by faith in Jesus, we are completely forgiven. When a convicted criminal completes their prison sentence, a strange thing happens. You know what happens? When a convicted criminal completes their prison sentence, They walk out. They go free. Their debt has been paid and they walk right out of that prison free at last. It doesn't matter how guilty they were. Why? Because their appointed debt has been paid. They walk right out. And so it is with Jesus and what he has done for us. He takes our sentence of death upon himself. He takes the wrath of God that we deserve upon him. Our debt is paid in full and we are set free to a living hope. If you are looking for hope this morning, real hope, living hope, it's found in only one place. Living hope comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what must we do to have this living hope? We don't earn it by good works. We don't please God by religious performance. Jesus has already done the work. He has already died for our sins. He's already risen from the dead to secure our living hope. So if you want This living hope, if you want the living hope that God has provided, you just need Jesus. You have to believe in him. You have to embrace Jesus and what he has done for you. You have to own Jesus and claim him as your savior, as your representative. Here's how Romans 10.9 puts it. The Apostle Paul writes, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me read that again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So to have this living hope, you must put your trust in Jesus in his death and resurrection for our sins. You must confess Jesus as Lord and King. Here's how Jesus puts it in John eleven twenty five. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life because the wrath of God remains on him. See, the wrath of God is on us because of our sin. And the only way that we can get that wrath of God off of us is to believe in the Son because he has taken it for everyone who believes in him. And we can walk out free. Everyone who believes in Jesus is included in the living hope that he has secured through the resurrection from the dead. So it doesn't matter what you've done. You might say, well, you don't know me. If you knew me, I would be ineligible. No, I, I know enough about the people who are a part of this church to know that none of us are eligible. Wouldn't you agree? Or did I just lose my job? Yeah. <laughs> None of us are eligible based on what we have done and who we are. So if you are feeling ineligible, welcome to the club. This is the club of the ineligible who have been made eligible by nothing other than the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. And we have believed it, and that is our living hope. So, All you need to do is to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And let me invite you to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior even today. And if that's your desire, I'd love to talk with you after the service. I'd be honored to do that. Or any time of your choosing. Let today be the day when you find living hope. Embrace Jesus, God's Savior, who died and rose in our place to pay the penalty for our sins. If you have believed in Jesus, then you have a living hope. As verse 4 puts it, by faith in Christ we have an inheritance. Inheritance is sonship language. In the biblical world, it's the son that gets the inheritance. Sorry, daughters. In the biblical world, that's how it is. The son gets the inheritance. And through Jesus Christ, we go from being enemies of God, rebels facing punishment, to being reconciled to God and adopted as his children, and we get to share in the inheritance. 
And our inheritance is a sure thing. It is, as it says in verse 4, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. So in Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have real hope, living hope. And it is our only hope. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you have already believed in Jesus, but you don't feel very full of hope. If you're honest, this whole idea of coming to church on Easter and all of the joy and exuberance that you knew you would find there was wearying to you because of what's been going on in your life. You're feeling worn down by the struggles and the trials and the sufferings of life. Spiritual struggles, personal struggles, persecution, health problems, financial problems, relational problems. Well, what we also find in this passage is that hardships and trials are the authentic Easter experience. That's what real hope looks like in real life. Even though we have a heavenly inheritance, we have yet to take full possession of it. It's being kept in heaven for us, and it will be delivered to us, or we will be delivered to it at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So even though we have a living hope, our everyday life as followers of Jesus can be pretty tough. We do have a living hope. But we celebrate that living hope, we rejoice in that living hope, not from the poolside of paradise, but from the swamp of suffering. The Bible is very realistic about what the Christian life looks like. Look with me at verse 6. Peter writes, In this, in this salvation, in this living hope, In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So what does our living hope feel like day to day? Well, first Peter mentions rejoicing. Our salvation through Christ is a source of joy, even in the midst of suffering. We have a reason for hope, We have a reason to rejoice. But now, for a little while, what's the word? We are grieved. Grieved is a strong word, isn't it? There's joy, but there's also grief. And we are grieved because of the various trials that we experience in this life. We've got trials, don't we? There's so much heartache in this room. We're all grieving in one way or another. And according to verse 7, God has a beneficial purpose for us in the midst of trials. Look again at verse 7. (coughs) Even though now we've been grieved through various trials so that... The purpose for our trials 
is that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the purpose for the trials of life for the Christian is the tested genuineness of your faith. It's the metaphor of refining gold where the the metal is heated up, it is melted down, and when you melt gold, two things happen at the same time. The gold is refined and the impurities are melted away. They're, They're just both two sides of the same coin. As the impurities are melted away, the gold is improved and proved and refined. And our trials are like a refining fire to our faith. Our faith in Jesus is purified. It is strengthened in the midst of trials. It is proven in the midst of trials. When we are tested by trials, our faith is shown to be genuine as we persevere in the midst of trials through faith. Many of you will have heard of Johnny Erickson Tata. She's a Christian author and speaker who is quite an inspiration of faith in the midst of trials. Um, She's been a quadriplegic for over 50 years. Uh, She's now in the midst of treatment for her second bout with breast cancer. Uh, She has had many trials. Um, And this is what she wrote in her 2016 blog, which is such an example of enduring faith in the midst of trials and God's hand in refining our faith through trial. This is what she writes. I always say that in a way, I hope I can take my wheelchair to heaven with me. I know that's not biblically correct, but if I were able, I would have my wheelchair up in heaven right next to me when God gives me my brand new glorified body. And I will then turn to Jesus and say, Lord, do you see that wheelchair right there? Well, you were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble because that wheelchair was a lot of trouble. But Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. The stronger I discovered, and the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. So thank you for what you did in my life through that wheelchair. Now notice, she didn't say thank you for the wheelchair. She said, thank you for what you did in my life through that wheelchair. And now, if you want, you can send that thing to hell. (laughs) Which, I love that. Um, She's got so much humor. But what a vivid example of what we see in this passage, that the trials that we face through faith in Christ are God's way of purifying and proving the genuineness of our faith. And the end result will be worship. According to the end of verse 7, the tested genuineness of our faith will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see the timetable? 
of resurrection hope? Now, for a little while, we are grieved by various trials. But there's another day coming, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ comes again, the trials will be over for the believer. The testing of our faith will be complete. And our resurrection life, our living hope, will be our daily reality. Often we believe and often we're told that if we believe in Jesus, everything is going to be great for us now. Happy family, good health, overflowing bank account, heaven on earth. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The real life, everyday experience of a living hope is that we are grieved by various trials. Yes, there is joy. We can rejoice in the midst of trials. We don't rejoice in our present experience. We rejoice in our living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But we are rejoicing in the swamp of suffering, not sunning by the poolside of paradise. Not yet. So just because life is still hard doesn't mean that our living hope is a sham. God is at work. He is refining us through trials. He is preparing us for heaven. He is keeping our inheritance for us in heaven and it will be delivered to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes again. Let's hold on to Jesus by faith even as he is holding on to us. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not treat us as our sins deserve, but you sent us a Savior. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have a living hope. And we thank you that it is not based on our performance, it is based on Christ's performance on our behalf. That's the only way it could be hope for sinners like us. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us to rejoice in that hope and to cling to that hope by faith until Jesus comes again. We pray this in his name and for his glory. Amen.